Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Joel Schobert. Hey, everybody. Brad Large. Hey, how's it going? Petra Manos. Hey, everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest. It's Ritas Laris. Ritas, do you hey. want to say hello? Hey, it's a pleasure to be here and talk to you guys. Thanks for my... Yeah. Do you want to... Uh, just quickly introduce yourself, let people know who you are. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm a co-founder and CEO of Omnisend, which is a marketing automation tool built for anyone who sells online. So for all online stores, start, starting really from like very beginners, those who just run a side business or a side project after, after main work hours, and all the way to those who are doing tens of millions, like 20 to like 30 million in GMB. So really uh, from the beginners to, 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 to medium-sized companies, we help to communicate with your existing customer base uh, by sending text messages, emails, uh, Facebook messages, Facebook Messenger messages, WhatsApp messages, web push notifications, and even synchronizing with your Google and Facebook uh, accounts in order to run lookalike audiences or proper retargeting campaigns. So it's all in one tool, all those different channels and ability to communicate with your existing customers. When I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call to help me find a developer who can build it. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile developers that you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to g2i.co to learn more about what G2i has to offer. In my experience, G2i has linked me up with experienced engineers that can fit my budget. And the G2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to g2i.co to learn more about G2i. I gotcha. And I think you focus on e-commerce when we talk what last yeah, year, that's, yeah that, that's correct that's correct yeah we build a tool for those who sell online so it can be like pure e-commerce mm-hmm. or you can have an addition let's say to your blog uh, if let's say you run a blog on, on WordPress and you have WooCommerce extension on that so it's it's pretty easy to uh, plug us in as we have uh, ready-made integrations of plugins with Shopify BigCommerce uh, WooCommerce Magento and any any other platform via open API, but those uh, Shopify e-commerce, WooCommerce, and Magento, it's really plug-and-play, plug-ins are It's really easy to start using this. Yeah, that makes sense. I think when I talked to you, the reason that I invited you to come on the show was just that you were talking about personalized messaging. And what I found is, um, you know, selling either my services as far as helping people with their marketing through podcasts or um, selling podcast sponsorships or anything like that, personalizing messages and hitting people in more than one place and all the things that you're talking about there are extremely effective, at least for me. And so um, I, I thought that it'd be great to just talk about some of these strategies, uh, figuring out which channels make sense, how to do it multi-channel without feeling like you're stalking someone uh, and stuff like that. I think that would be really helpful for folks as they're trying to find sponsors or sponsors find clients. Yeah. How many of our audience uh, yeah. members would actually have um, e-commerce stores, Chuck, so um, compared to selling individual services? Uh, probably much more on the end of selling individual services than e-commerce. But like I said, I think the personalized messaging and some of these approaches work. You're just not going to do it on the scale that you're going to need something like OmniSend for. Yeah. That's good. I mean, like personal line messaging works. It uh, doesn't matter what, what you do and what you sell. So that's, that's uh, uh, a mission of our company is really to make marketing relevant. At some point, it's not, not that easy to really make it like fully relevant. But what we advise and what we really advocate is really a couple of things. First thing is you really have to, uh, to personalize uh, by segmenting your customer base uh, by by uh, using more automation. So that means that your communication is trigger-based and then you listen to your customers, like listen. So identify what, what is your customer behavior on, on your site, on your online store. And based on that, uh, you run trigger-based automation. So that's how 
your customers start receiving communication which is uh, more relevant to them instead of just promoting what you want to promote uh, you can communicate what they showed interest in so they have visited that specific product category or that specific product let's say and that's how you automatically start communicating about that topic so you know it's it's already much more relevant messages and the third uh, thing which makes your your communication uh, much more relevant for customers really uh, giving them ability, your customers an ability to choose the most preferred channel. Uh, and uh, as all the channels like email, text messages, uh, Facebook Messenger, web push notifications, all those channels where you have to have a consent from a customer, so you cannot just you know purchase the list and start uh, blasting to them. You have to ask for permission to communicate, and 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 once asking for permission, uh, you uh, you give. Uh, like ability to choose the most preferred channel as well, which is which is you know very important for customers. Uh, they have different habits and they have different uh, preferred channels for a brand or company to communicate with. Gotcha. Yeah, so, I think that's so pretty. Go ahead, Brad. I was just going to say I think that's pretty cool. Uh, the two things that I ask for marketing automation stuff is: is it creepy and is it customer focused? And if it's creepy, I don't do it. And if it's customer focused, I evaluate how to make it not creepy because it's in this day and age, it's hard to do that sometimes when you're doing, uh, you know, I use a lot of automation for lead generation. And so automating those systems, you know, I want to give somebody uh, a tap on the shoulder and, and say hello and see if they're interested in that or if I can provide them value uh, first off. And then I, I try to, you know, let the personal touch, uh, you know, I try to reach out with a personal touch at that point, but you know, it's, it is, there are a lot of ways to automate marketing and, and uh, get those handoffs uh, solid. And especially for consultants when you're doing something like prospecting or something like that. But there are also a lot of ways that, to, to go black hat with that. And so I think it's really, uh, it's, it can be difficult to uh, do that, especially uh, amongst different channels without coming off as being like really creepy or invasive or in your face, right? I think there's a real balance there. So. Yeah, completely agree, Brad. And and maybe we can like uh, talk about uh, multi-channel and omni-channel definition here. And there is there is a bit of difference there. And what what you are referring that you know sometimes it's just uh, difficult to to balance not not to become intrusive and not to start bombarding your customers with too many messages. So uh, and that's the risk when you have a multi-channel approach when you're using like different tools for uh, for 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 doing that and they are not synchronized or not synchronized good enough. So you basically lose and then you have the same trigger coming from the customer. You start uh, simultaneously, let's say five or three campaigns. I start email campaign, SMS campaign, uh, uh, retargeting banners and uh, web push notifications. And what happens when the customer is being bombarded by many messages. When you take omni-channel approach, that means that you put uh, those different channels on the single uh, flow and you just start one by one. Let's say I reach out uh, to Brad uh, using email. If Brad ignores my email communication, then only I follow uh, by a different channel, like text message, Facebook Messenger, and finally, let's say, synchronize to run a retargeting, retargeting display ad. So it's kind of two benefits here in like omni-channel approach. First is, is really it's uh, much more... Uh, much more friendly for a customer and much more relevant uh, for a customer, one thing. And the second thing is uh, more cost-effective for uh, you as a business, as a brand. So instead of just, you know, using all the different channels at the same time, just you can you can start from like email, which is relatively free, and uh, end up with uh, Facebook and Google retargeting ads, which are the most expensive. Uh, that's, by, actually, by, um, that's, that's a super relevant topic that you're saying there because um, I see that all the time on the Google ads side of things. I find that most of my clients tend to have separate agencies for different things. I mean, I'm working with sometimes larger businesses. So, um, but, but I do find that individual freelancers are still going with agency approach and they'll have like an, an agency for different topics. Um, but on the Google ads side of things, um, the, I agree completely. You don't want to be spamming them with one message in one channel and then something else somewhere else. So, um, so one thing that if, if someone doesn't have software like OmniSend, I really recommend actually reducing the number of impressions that someone can get of an ad 
um, over a time period so that you don't have that situation because not all of us can be using an integrated platform like you've got. So um, there are definitely ways in all these different marketing options to reduce the number of impressions. In Google Ads, for example, you can say um, no more than so many in a month or no more than so many in a week per user. And um, what that does is it, it stops you from having a situation where, um, you know, someone is just literally getting spammed for a week and then they go, oh, my goodness, I am so sick of this particular advertiser. But um, what, what you're doing with Omnisend, that makes complete sense. If it's getting pushed through a, a single funnel, then you can't have the, you know, interrupting messages. And it can be really tricky when they've got different agencies and each agency is pushing a totally different message. You know, Petra, you're talking about that and I could probably quote about half the commercials that I see on Hulu. <laughs> Just because uh, you watch a show and it's like, you see the same commercial and then you get 10 minutes of the show and then the same commercial and then 10 minutes of the show. And if you binge watch like two or three episodes, it's like, oh my gosh, if I have to watch another Subaru commercial. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that drives me nuts is when you've got a blog post that has a lot of advertising in it, um, uh-huh. you'll see the same ad literally next to each other. There was one time uh, I had a client that was a dentist. It's like, okay, if I need to go to a dentist, seeing the ad once or twice is going to be fine. No, 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 no. I looked at this blog post and there was a remarketing ad for the dentist literally 10 times on the one blog post. So if you limit your impressions on a per day basis, for example, you're not going to have 10 times seeing the same ad in the same blog post unless you have lots of impressions per day, but still <laughs> you can, you can limit them because by default it comes to um, there's like a, a tick box that says um, let Google choose how often to share my ads. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Let's talk about Omnisend <laughs> rather than Google. But yeah, I, I, I understand what you're talking about there. Having, having uh, all the different channels push messages out at the same time can get really noisy. Yeah, just like adding the doubles, like about ads, Google, that's right, completely agree on that. So uh, there is what I see sometimes happens, like especially people experiment on their own, not like hiring an agency. So with pop-ups, that's like pop-ups for collecting subscribers, which by the way, we really uh, preach that like so the definition of subscriber should be expanded. So instead of like understanding as an email subscriber, we should be thinking about all the subscribers who give uh, permission to communicate via any of the channels, like text, sending text messages, sending uh, Facebook messenger messages, even the push notification is a subscription because a customer has proactively to agree to receive those kind of messages. Uh, yeah, but so what happens with like pop-ups uh, are like highly effective on your website. And although... Uh, sometimes we hear of it, okay, I don't want to show pop-ups. I, I, I kind of find them intuitive, et cetera, but they're really, really like by far the most effective way to come in, co- collect subscribers. But what happens sometimes with those people who are okay and they see that, okay, pop-up works very good and I, I'm being able to convert like five to seven or sometimes up to 10% of my traffic into subscriber, which is, which is great comparing that only 3% of traffic is being converted to like, ends up as a conversion what happens that people start like you know having five different pop-ups and then it's really really bad so very similar it recalls me when you just talked about like you know the same ad on, on the block uh from the same like advertiser but but yeah so sometimes it happens and you have to avoid that as well not not to be too too active with like you know trying to ask too many permissions and too many pop-ups like uh, we are using cookies, one pop-up. Uh, subscribe to our newsletter. Second pop-up, could you give us a permission to send push notification? Third pop-up, and you kind of, if they are poorly managed, so you start showing them immediately upon uh, landing on your website. And this is this is really crazy, a super bad experience. Uh, and what you can do, you can really, uh, you know, balance and show at the different times. Let's say, when upon landing, because like, Cookies you have to have to do upon landing, but maybe you can ask for uh, for for email after someone spends at least one minute on your website, or maybe after second click or something, and you know just uh, balance balance it and find the better, best ways to to ask for for permission. You know, talking about that balance, um, one of the things I've noticed is when I go to different sites 
if I've looked up something that has some information I want, there are some sites like just the minute you touch the scroll bar, then they pop up something about, hey, if you like this, please subscribe. And that's actually, to me, seems way too early because I haven't even figured out if this thing I'm reading is going to be useful yet. So then I dismiss it and then it doesn't necessarily come up again when I get to the bottom of the article. So I've definitely seen some timing on this that I would consider not right, like too, too anxious to really be effective. Completely agree. Yeah, completely agree. That's... That's where you have to, to find the, the balance uh, between yourself wanting like more impressions or let's say like freelancer you have hired or like, you know, or freelancer who you are and want to show more impressions for a customer uh, and then like balance with a real uh, impact that, you know, people maybe less impressions, but a much better uh, impression to subscription rate. This can I get really um, complicated, um, mixing up pop-ups with different landing pages and forms and things. Um, for example, just yesterday, I was reviewing someone's landing page and they, they literally had a landing page with a form to sign up for one product, but then they had a pop-up that tried oh, no. to promote a different product. And so you don't know which one to actually click on. And, and I think this is an easy rookie mistake. And so I'm just wondering, um, you know, what experience everyone's got with regards to uh, like the, the more landing pages and products and, and things that you start to promote, then you, you have to start uh, finding ways to segment which pages different pop-ups go on to and, and all of this type of thing. I mean, I've got a solution for this for myself, but just wondering whether, you know, Omnisyn makes that simple and whether other people and our panelists are running into this trouble and what they're doing about it. Yeah, so at Omnisyn, we have like pre-built uh, option. You, you can run pop-ups using Omnisyn. Uh, so yeah, so you, you, can, you, can, you can manage, you, have, you can have various like different types of them and uh, you can like show them in, in different pages, so what you can manage, so pages where you want to show them, uh, time spent on site or clicks on site. So that's the, the um, example Joel gave, like, I mean, just not to show too early and, uh, and like different uh, kind of occasions. So it can be a welcome pop-up, it can be a exit intent pop-up, it can be, again, really customizable thing. And it's, yeah, so we have pre-built solutions. Uh, if you have like some special needs and and uh, maybe you have a product you like, so we have a lot of integrations with other solutions like just, you know, and the Prem Privy and the uh, Optin Monster, et cetera. Uh, those kind of specialized tools and specialized solutions to collect um, subscribers' uh, permissions. So we have integrations with them. So basically then anyone Whatever, whatever tool you use, they just push the, the data which is being collected there to Omnisend and you can run a welcome campaign so you can just start storing those contacts and run ad automations or, or ball campaigns. So yeah, so that's, that's a way how our customers can use it. A big problem that I've seen with uh, several people is that they use different uh, either databases or tracking systems for leads or people that they're tracking. And so, uh, you know, that's something that a CRM really helps with is identifying like one central place to keep all that stuff. Because a lot of problems I've seen is people use different uh, elements of their tech stack, whether it's MailChimp or, you know, uh, Pipedrive or whatever their different pieces are. They have people spread out among these things in different like disparate customer journeys. And that's where they start to, uh, you know, unbeknownst to them, run into trouble uh, or create a scenario where, you know, they get this perfect storm of not being able to handle their data at some point or to know, you know, clearly where people are in their customer journeys or what they've defined for those people. So I think that, you know, keeping a, an eye on where your data is located seems like a very basic thing, but with all the different technologies out there, it's very easy to do. And one of the things that tools like, you know, having something like Omnison there to, you know, make sure that those people that you do have eventually end up in these customer journeys and kind of segment them out and make sure that they're, there's, I mean, that's a very important thing, especially with the level of personalization that every single person who buys anything online has come to expect. 
uh, it's just insane the the expectation and how different it is just from a couple years ago for personalization and the different channels that they're they're seeing. So keeping that data uh, clean and in one central place, it's a, it's a very basic thing, but it's a good starting point. Completely, completely agree with you. Uh, yeah, so in one place, uh, like two at most. So uh, what we recommend for our customers is definitely you have a lot of data in your in your e-commerce platform, whatever is it, is it Shopify, e-commerce, WooCommerce. Uh, so uh, you have it there, and it's kind of more more purchase related data, and you know deliveries and all that stuff, and uh, and then of course like uh, the, the stock management is there. So definitely you you have to have this. And yeah, in our case, what we, we what we provide, so we directly plug into this and we synchronize the data which is needed for for your uh, marketing activities and uh, so again purchasing history uh the, the shopping cart size which again you can you can build automations around that those, those people who have not purchased let's say customer activation those people have not purchased uh, in the past 90 days let's start this automated campaign and whenever someone automatically gets into this segment the uh, it triggers a campaign, so no need to do it in a manual way. But yeah, what you just said is very, very important to have data synchronized, and that's one of the benefits. And uh, yeah, we don't call ourselves CRM uh, because we're not built to do, CRM is mainly built for like B2B purposes, and B2C is different. You mainly work with segments, not like on individual contacts, but yeah, having a single customer view and a single customer profile and being able them to slice and dice and one tool, that's, that's yeah. It's very, very, very important. Otherwise, if you use like different tools in your stack, so you have to take care of like synchronizing, which of course it's it's an option, but like tools like Zapper helps here or like Segment or Segment.io and et cetera. So I would then really, really recommend to, to, to be sure that you properly synchronize uh, the data around your customers. Actually, Brad, um, on the topic you were just saying, a lot of um, listeners here wouldn't be using an OmniSend already because and we've already covered that, you know, most of the people here are running individual service businesses and they're probably B2B. Um, so you were just talking about, um, you know, making sure that you're using single products or, um, you know, where you can to make sure that the data is in a centralised place. Given that you, you've got so much expertise in CRM, how can we actually make sure that our, our email software, for example, is talking to our CRM because this must happen all the time where someone's using a particular email automation tool, you know, other than OmniSend, um, let's say they're using ActiveCampaign, MailChimp, whatever, and they've got a completely different CRM just because they like the software and they find a particular software easy to use. So how can people make sure that they do integrate? I think the, the key thing that you said there was that they have software that they like to use and that's comfortable to use. Uh, when you're putting your data in one place, like pick the one that you like and start from there. Like I, a lot of people, I think that uh, CRMs have become popular because if we try to make it easy to manage the different contacts that, uh, that you get. Uh, but so that, that's something that me, you know, as, as a side hustler, I use, uh, currently use MailChimp, right? But that's a single channel. So uh, that's actually a very popular thing that people reach out to me for is syncing up their email campaigns with a CRM. Um, it's, it's a huge problem because people do realize that they have differences in data across, you know, different platforms. How do you keep it synced up? And, you know, the, the reality is that if you have enough money, you can spend money and just have the integration, right? Like you can, you can pay for an integration or get an integration or something like that. But a lot of businesses are, they, they have constraints either around cost or time or whatever. Um, so really it's just understanding that how important that is first off and prioritizing the time to get those pieces in place. Uh, but, you know, to your point with the, the email synchronization, that, that's a huge issue that people run into. And it's funny because uh, Rita, that's one thing that I have helped several people through is using Zapier to, you know, make sure that when, you do have a, you know, it's a tech term database of record, 
right? Like if you have a database of record where you know is true, that's your source data, then that's where you want to look at to then populate the, the other pieces throughout your other systems, right? But identifying that and making sure that is the end all be all of data collection for your, your company or your, your leads or contacts for your, for your business associations, that that's step number one. Um, once you have that, then, you know, you can kind of get a holistic view of a customer that way. Right. And that's another reason CRMs are very popular because they allow you to keep that data centralized and then tie that data through all your other systems that you're interacting with so that you get the, the a view right? So that you can segment them properly and you can, you can reach out to them in ways that they're comfortable and familiar with. But I think one of the big things is, you know, experiment a little bit with some systems and get something in place uh, and understand that, that to get any sort of leverage in your business, you're going to have to have good data and good processes, right? <laughs> I think uh, you're, you're light years ahead of me as far as processes uh, I just, it just cracks me up to hear you talk about your process because I'm like, man, I'm so disorganized compared to that. But it, you know, it, it takes time to do that. Right. And you do start simple when you build on them, but those processes, it's inflexible. So it can be inflexible. If you have too many processes, you don't, you don't necessarily want to have too many processes until you've worked out your tech stack, you know, cause that, that can really be a situation where you've invested so much time in writing everything down and then you've got to now reinvent the wheel. You know, yeah. And that's but, a good like, call out. Uh, Less Accounting provides a reliable, dedicated bookkeeper along with project manager to ensure that your business finances are crystal clear and up to date. How are your profits this month? How much are you making on the services or products sold? How much money is left over for yourself to invest back in your business? What's your debt situation like? Are your products selling? Do you have an emergency fund? Those kinds of questions are the things that Less Accounting software and team can answer anytime within minutes. You'll have a real human categorize your transactions. The software platform provides the ability to auto-import and auto-categorize transactions. You can create proposals and invoices in it, and they have 20-plus reports that you can use to figure out where you're at. So go check them out, lessaccounting.com. I think Just a lot of people you. probably start out with a product they like or, or a product that's most important to them. So let's say, for example, everyone's saying, you have to grow your email list. You have to grow your email list. So they go, right, well, we need to grow our email list. Let's get some email software. And then they're almost like locked down into a solution because they've been using this one forever and they've either got processes or they don't know how to use anything else or they've got their data there. And then they end up having to pick the next tool based on what integrates with the first tool. Mm-hmm. So then the, you know, and then that has a follow on effect because then the next tool that they need needs to fit in with the first two tools. And you know, with this, this hack together system where you're not having to rely on Zapier. I mean, cause I personally, I think that Zapier should be like a last resort because you start getting into technical complexity that the average user it's not going to want to, to um, deal with. Um, and, and you, you don't want to have a situation where you can't fix your own system and your, your system goes rogue. You know? Yeah. So, um, uh, and this is probably something that, you know, people just starting out as freelancers wouldn't realize that the initial tech that they choose for any particular task will influence what you end up choosing at later stages. So making sure that any particular solution integrates really well with other solutions and that you can see brand name products in that list under integrations is probably a really good idea. You know, it's funny because you're talking about this and you're talking about, um, yeah, I mean, I use Zapier for a ton of stuff and when it breaks, you know, I've tried training some of the people on my team on it and I would say about half the time when it breaks, they're able to fix it. And the other half of the time I have to go in and handle it because I, you know, I've, I've trained myself as a programmer to think about it that way and they just haven't. Right. And so, um, I mean, that's absolutely the case. And yeah, if they have a nice integration for active campaign or, you know, some of the other tools that I'm using, uh, then, then that makes me happy. Another thing that I've run into though, is that Zapier doesn't always have the kind of integration to the tool that I'm using that I want. Right. So for a long time, we, we record this on zoom and for a long time, I wanted it to actually, 
pick things up and then notify uh, my team when the recording was ready. And Zapier, I, I found it in there the other day and I was like, oh, they finally put this in, right? You know, somebody else had told me, yeah, well, we wrote this little app that has this little integration that does that work for us. In other words, they had a program around Zapier to make it work. And uh, yeah, I mean, just, just stuff like that. And then um, my team's gotten really, they really love Notion.so, but they don't have an API. And so it doesn't integrate with anything. And that's also been a, a struggle, right? And trying to get my team to want to move is a struggle because they like the workflow there. So, yeah, anyway. Well, for for people that listen to, to, sorry, for people that listen to this podcast, a lot of us are, you know, quite um, techie. So, might <laughs> understand a lot of the flows. But um, the, the trouble with Zapier is it's event-based and not data-based pushes. Yeah. So, if you have an event that happens in one set, uh, system, you can push some flow to another system but if the internal data changes and that doesn't trigger an event so it really depends on the the software but if the internal data changes with no event then Zapier just can't do it so there's definitely limitations and you can end up in a situation like you're saying where one person has development skills and if that's the business owner all of a sudden you're being pulled into things that are far too operational and are pulling you away from things that you should be doing as a business owner just because you've got that specialized skill set. Yeah. One assumption that I use when I, when I use Zapier for a lot of the things that I do, I try to keep things more uh, simple and actually think about how that's going to affect my process. But Zapier at this point has actually given me a lot of flexibility in the tools that I've used and very little investment. Um, so because I haven't built out extensive processes or, or uh, you know, decision splits and all that, you know, I, I've kept it pretty simple. And mainly it is to keep data uh, synced up between environments and things like that. But the event-based system is, that's very true. Uh, but a lot of CRMs, uh, you know, especially if you're a developer, a CRM will allow you to build uh, very simple uh, automations in there as well to fire events. And um, they're pretty granular in what you can do. But I think that's another uh, good point of why to use a CRM is because those event-based things, a lot of PipeDrive has like a, a lot of triggers mm-hmm. in Zapier and uh, HubSpot has a ton, Salesforce. I mean, you, what you can do in there is greatly enhanced by using a CRM for the, the central hub. But, you know, I, th- I do think you have to be careful because there is a tension there. If you build out those processes very complex, then you are going to be more locked in. But if you, you know, the way that I've used it is to use a tool for a specific piece and um, kind of make it very simplified in Zapier so that it's more an orchestrator than defining a flow, if that makes sense. And that way I can be uh, sure what's synced up. I get errors if it doesn't sync up and and stuff like that. But from my side, it's actually, uh, I think, enabled me to have a lot of flexibility in the tools that I try out and integrate pretty or iterate very quickly in, in finding what's working or what's not working for my processes. This is a really strong benefit of having a single person business because generally the owner of the business is quite smart and quite savvy with these things. And you can be really flexible when you understand it. When you start having team members, that's when it's not so much that you want your processes to be complicated that's certainly not the ideal, but you need to have them locked down to prevent errors because they don't necessarily understand the purpose of what, like you're, you're trying to get what's in your head out into a way that someone else understands. And that person doesn't necessarily even understand the purpose for all of these things. It's just a list of steps to them. But guys, look, a part of Zapier, so like vast majority of SaaS, doesn't matter if it's CRM or email service provider or um, like e-commerce or pop-up collection, whatever, uh, uh, social media management tools. So they have uh, uh, like direct integrations to each other as well, just to avoid having Zapier. And doesn't matter if it's kind of 
event-based or or not, which event-based is probably the future of all the tools. And that's where the tools, and if you're having, if you have a modern stack, so event-based is not a challenge anymore because any, any, any change in your data, any change in data record will be, uh, will trigger an event which can be used either directly uh, for the direct integration or through, through Zapier as well. So, yeah, so kind of, as in our case, in our case, so we see what is the most popular Zap which our customers are using, and then we build that direct for, for like first party integration with those those tools. Because definitely, yeah. that's how you guarantee the best experience for your customers, the best quality data quality, and all, all those stuff. So, uh, I believe that what what Petro said that you know anyone who's just starts their like freelancing of their own business, so they they have to pick the, the, the right stack because it really will will define uh, what, what kind of entire stack will be in, in the future. So that's true. On the other hand, it's kind of, you know, everybody's being integrated with everybody, uh, at least where it makes sense. Sometimes when you need some kind of edge cases and maybe some tools are not that popular, or maybe you just apply those tools where are not uh, they kind of meant to to be applied because sometimes we do find ways to, to apply it like in a strange way or maybe creative way. Uh, so then it might be a challenge. But uh, let's say as in our case, so any e-commerce platforms, it's well integrated. Any like uh, subscriber collection tools, like it's it's well integrated. Like uh, e-commerce loyalty programs, uh, gift cards, etc. Everything what really serves the uh, the needs of those who are selling online. So we have a lot of integrations with with uh, all of those tools, and our competitors do, and all all of the tools do. So. That's probably kind of the, the future of everybody's being integrated with everybody. What makes sense? The, yeah, I saw one of the benefits, like I thought of one of the benefits of some of the, the clients that I work with aren't necessarily technical people, they're business owners. And they want simple, maintainable systems after a while, right? So that's something that I, I try to help them with is making sure that if something goes wrong, that they can understand who to call or what to do or so, you know, using uh, those tools that they understand event-based, right? Some, some business centers don't understand, you know, uh, database flows, triggers, all that kind of stuff. So they, they just kind of, their eyes gloss over, they, they you know, but keeping the, the process is simple, I think, especially, I found that, well, yeah, keeping things simple for them up front really helps them understand and be comfortable with the, the tools that they're putting in place as well. Completely agree. And like the best way to simplify is really have like all in one place as much as you can. For those of us that sell strategy sessions, actually describing the strategy session as a way to simplify the, the process rather than them coming up with their own process that's going to lead to complexity down the line. I think that's actually a really valid selling point. Because I know certainly when it comes to analytics or Google ads, someone wants to work with me because they know that I'm going to be able to simplify it for them and they don't have to do it all themselves. Um, Because there's a danger in doing it yourself. If you just know enough to be dangerous, you could end up with a really bloated, complicated system as opposed to a streamlined one. So I think that's definitely a good point for anyone that sells strategy systems to make sure that they're explaining that to a prospective customer that part of building a strategy is to simplify it. So it's interesting. I mean, we've talked our way around a lot of these tools and things like that. But uh, one thing that I get hung up on a little bit is, you know, we're talking about personalizing the message. And, you know, you mentioned segmenting the audience and things like that. And I'm not always good at identifying, okay, how do I segment this audience and then make sure that I'm getting a message that's relevant to them? So how how do you start doing that? How do you start figuring out who is who and which messages meant for them? Uh, by observing, I would say. <laughs> like by understanding your customers and uh, like tracking their behavior. Uh, that's probably a rule of thumb and, and uh, by reading tutorials. So again, like for, for anyone who sells online, so I would say like, at least this like basic basic segments which you should be kind of defining is is uh, you always have subscribers which have never purchased from you 
Um, doesn't matter what you sell. Uh, you kind of ask for permission to communicate, but they have never purchased. So this is kind of very clear segment, which you want to activate. And usually you have limited time to do that, like up to like what our statistics showed, like, you know, if you don't manage to activate them in like two months, like three months at most, like, yeah, usually it's like up to 60 days uh, after, mm -hmm. after that. It's, it's so low probability that you will, activate so like from someone becoming a subscriber to someone becoming a, a customer like paying customer if, if you are selling something online so you you kind of have to be like pretty active with this segment trying to activate them and to convert them into at least like trial or like sample it depends on what you are selling online uh, on all the way to like a full conversion uh, so it's pretty time sensitive. So it's example of one segment. Yeah, another, another segment is really uh, those who have purchased like uh, once. And again, depending on what you are selling online, but usually uh, once we think about uh, customers and their life, life, life cycle and uh, lifetime value, usually uh, where it gets like uh, the, the, the real good things are coming when customers are buying like repeatedly from you. Because uh, you have already invested in acquiring them, and if they were happy about your uh, product or service you, you have just provided, so definitely you want to them to come back and and purchase again. But you cannot be like too aggressive. Maybe they have not consumed what they bought from you. Either it's a, you know a shampoo or, or a training session, so they need some time to 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 consume, to evaluate that, etc. So this is another segment that you want to. Uh, to, to convert them into repeated bars. Third segment, I would say you always should treat your best customers a bit differently. So those who kind of buy either more often or spend more money on you, so maybe like uh, less frequently, but uh, like average cart, if you have different size of carts available, uh, depending on the product you're selling. So best customers. So treat them differently. Really provide with some exclusive offers. I mean, just don't promise only what you, sometimes I see what business are doing. They think, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, okay, you are our VIP customer. This is a special offer just only for you. But, but people are not stupid. They are able to identify if, if it's really special. Why, why I'm so special? Come on. But if I know that I'm really kind of an advocate of you, et cetera. So you can run kind of very specialized campaigns for that. So you can, you can do creative things with kind of uh, combine offline and online activities. Maybe just your online customers to invite to a real events, maybe to some webinars to kind of, you know, maybe send some samples if you're selling physical goods, maybe provide special discount, maybe early bird, uh, early bird, uh, like, um, uh, like spots or seats mm -hmm. uh, or like if you select training courses maybe they can uh, be the first to see and maybe to get the best the best price from you so again like vip customers however you call it uh, it's another segment and uh, yeah and uh, let's say one of those like very standard segments is uh, those uh, who have not purchased for you from you for a while so we want to run like reactivation campaigns with them so it's great example of another segment. So they have been purchasing from you, but you haven't seen them for a while, depending on what your uh, um, like customer life cycle is. And you start like campaigns, which might be much more aggressive because you're already on the edge of losing them or maybe you have already lost. So you, you, you can run kind of more aggressive campaigns. And after the, that campaign, if you were not able to reactivate the customer, so I would suggest just you deleting them from your uh, subscribers list, uh, it's mailing list mm -hmm. or SMS list, etc. Because the probability that they will get back to you and then do something in the future is is pretty low. I mean, they, if they just you know ignore your emails for already six months, so the probability that they will open after six months of like complete inactivity, I mean, like opening your emails, clicking in your content, is super super low. And you just keep paying for your email service provider for those. Uh, after some time, you start ruining your uh, online reputation. If, let's say if a mailing list is too old and, uh, and, and uh, some of those old emails are being converted into spam traps by inboxes like Gmail, Outlooks, etc. Or else, and, uh, and yeah, so, so, you know, just, you know, a few examples of, of like pretty, pretty basic segmentation, which is already kind of 
put some level of relevancy to your communication. Like more advanced level would be really to, uh, to build segments based on like their behavior. What kind of products, what kind of like, courses, if you're selling courses, are they interested and really based on that, okay, saw that, and that Charles was interested I mean, automa- automatically, of course, not not manually. So that Charles was interested in that specific category, and he spent reading those blog posts and the browsing that uh, that category products. Uh, so, boom! This is a segment, and you can run campaigns for that that specific segment with a content inside which is really relevant to that that specific customer. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. I find that latter one to be quite relevant and and easy to put together for people that are selling services because the majority of us have some kind of blog. It's not that hard to make the uh, URL uh, in your blog have a category in it. So this is something that, that I do I make sure that every URL has a category as part of the URL. It's really not that difficult to be able to set your tool up so that if someone visited a certain page that has a certain category in it, you can segment in them into a category-based segment. And that's really relevant for creating remarketing lists if you're doing advertising because if you're selling a... Um, so, for example, I've got a free course on setting up Google Analytics now, um, if I w- wanted to sell a paid service relating to Google Analytics, then I can segment out to only the people that went to a post or you know, my course or something that they're all in the same category. They're all in the same Google Analytics category. Uh, so then, you know, because I've built that remarketing list, then I'm not sending the same message to everybody. Um, so you can do the same with regards to Facebook pixels and basically any platform. And um, it, obviously there's different tools that do that, but for people that have a blog, basing it on blog category or um, basing it on people that have visited particular landing pages is probably one of the easiest ways of segmenting different messages, in in my opinion. So just to clarify, so I have the... JavaScript snippet that I got out of active campaign on my web page. And so essentially what you're telling me is that I can segment people based on if they went to a JavaScript jabber episode or a Ruby rogues episode or whatever. And, and then know that they probably have some interest in Ruby or JavaScript or what have you based on that. Yeah. In the case of active campaign, you can send an event to active campaign to tag them based on which category mm-hmm. they went to. Yeah. I've seen that. I was just, it was like, oh, I hadn't thought about doing that, but I probably ought to. Yeah, I've actually got a client where I did this for them um, using Google Tag Manager because mm-hmm. they, they were actually in e-commerce, but um, they wanted to have different categories being sent through to active campaign based on which category of product someone was, um, was looking at, which obviously OmniSend is intended for that, but she wanted to, to put it into active campaign um, using Tag Manager for various reasons. We were um, hooking it up with analytics reports and things anyway. And um, there's, there's definitely ways to do that. So every category of merchandise that someone looked at got tagged mm-hmm. with a different thing. So, yeah, certainly you can do that. It's, um, it's slightly more complicated than sending a pixel to Facebook or sending something to Google Analytics, but it can definitely be done with Active Campaign. I do... Uh super simple way of finding out what people are interested in on my form to contact me. I put interested in as a pick list and then I make them choose and then I segment them based on that. I actually, I'm horrible at collecting emails right now. Other I'm setting this up for my course, but for my consulting, I make people reach out to me 
um, just because uh, every single person that's reached out has some level of interest. And I, I found, you know, as Redis was talking about the different levels, you know, I, I thought about my consulting and I was like, you know, as soon as somebody signs up to talk with me, I know that they're interested and I can usually get a good amount of information about why they're interested and things like that. They're more invested up front, right? Then there's sort of a cooling off period. Uh, but for consulting, what I like to do is I put those people in a nurture campaign, but at that six month mark, if they haven't done anything, uh, then that's when I boot them, right? Uh, unless they're doing something with the content, opening it regularly, you know, doing whatever I'll keep you, you know, that's fine. If I'm providing you value, that's the point. But, um, you know, just keeping those people in the wash cycle, it's not doing anything really anybody any good. But, uh, yeah, I just, I just put that right on my form and ask people what they're interested in for consulting services. And then, uh, that way, because uh, it can be confusing. Some one day they might have one problem, but then the, the other day they might look at completely different, uh, you know, types of articles and, and you, you could have uh, tags from all over the place or categories from all over the place and, and wonder what this person's really getting at. So I just ask them. You know, simplifying is always the best path to take. Completely agree. Yeah. Have you found that that's reduced your sign up rate though? Having them fill out more fields than just their email address and name? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's an intentional thing that I do. Um, uh, it would be a completely different if I was doing e-commerce for sure. Or, or, you know, for my course, I'm actually looking at changing that up. So I do get more signups, right? So I'm offering more incentives and, you know, I, I'm giving them more value for the extra fields. They do still have to register, but they're getting free uh, lessons, right? So I'm giving them the incentive to actually do that. But at the same time, I also don't want to make it too easy because consulting services aren't cheap. And I really don't, I want to discourage people from taking up my time in, in meetings if really they're not even interested enough to fill out a form. So it's an intentional thing for sure, but I think you have to figure out where on the spectrum you are and how easy you want to make it to have people sign up. Uh, that's a very valid consideration. Any other areas of this we should be talking about? I'm, I'm kind of curious, Redis, um, how do we do this on like cold outreach? Because it's one thing if it's on your email list. It's another thing if I'm just, you know, identifying folks on LinkedIn or something and then doing outreach, right? Yeah, that's uh, a completely different kind of beast and like cold outreach. It's, uh, you should be kind of really personalizing on, on on the discovery, let's say, uh, phase and really collecting. So the data quality is completely different. It's not where Omniscient is, is, is built for and uh, it's, it's, it's not for retention marketing. It's uh, like called outreach, it's completely called by B2B and completely different tools. And uh, so, and yeah, so in B2B case, it's, it's a bit different. And for cold outreach, it's, it's different. It's what uh, us as a tool, we're not serving. Uh, but but we're using it. So, you know, my, my, my personal experience and our experience. So you have to ensure the good quality data at the very beginning once you collect it. So basically uh, having your ideal customer profile and using tools like uh, ZoomInfo or, or Beltwave, Clearbit, and really finding the companies which potentially would be interested in your in your solution, your service. Second, second stage of finding the, the proper people who might be interested, who are decision makers, who actually want to talk instead of just trying to send everyone working in that company. And uh, and that's that's how we personalize things, you know. So basically understanding what is your potential customer look like, uh, having the list of those companies, having the list of people working in this company and and then then uh, reaching out to them with a decent proposal, which is, which might be relevant for them. I'm testing yeah, out something sense. at the moment. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. But, um, so yeah, I find that using uh, Google ads display to get really targeted people to the website using custom intent audiences and things can bring some pretty high quality people to your website. And then it's about remarketing them in other places so in my case, I'm, I'm just testing out, um, putting the, I've got the LinkedIn pixel on my website now and I'm just building a LinkedIn audience there. So I'm keen to see whether it will start to help me find out which, um, now I'm not sure if it does this or not. So please don't, don't use this as a, um, 
definite, but whether it can help me find out which people have actually been to my website or whether it won't let me see that because of privacy. So i um, completely unsure about that, but it will at least let me see exactly what uh, careers people had that came to my website because that's part of the information that it collects. And that can help to segment um, people in LinkedIn based on their actual uh, occupation for outreach. So I think that's going to be valuable. So this is something I'm testing out for myself. I haven't got the actual answers yet, but could be a good one. Yeah, I've used some of the LinkedIn tools to look at people for the podcast sponsorships. And so I'm usually looking for marketing folks in particular kinds of companies um, or owners of smaller businesses that are trying to grow. And I found that to be exceptionally difficult to figure out. Um, It'll identify people by their title, so chief marketing officer or whatever. But if I try and do it by... um, industry or anything else, the problem that I run into is that usually I'm saying I want an internet company or a software company, but there are so many companies out there that provide like um, online medical records or stuff like that that count themselves as software or internet companies that it makes it really difficult to narrow down. I forgot about a tool. Um, There's one called Lead Feeder. Mm. Try that one out. Uh, So Lead Feeder identifies the name of the business it won't identify um, an actual person, but it will identify the name of the business. And then if you know that your client is normally a chief marketing officer or a marketing person, you can go to that business and you can reach yeah. out to anyone on LinkedIn who's a marketing person and say, hey, someone at your company came to my website um, you know, looking for information on blah, blah, blah. Um, would you like a free guide on that? And I've had some success with that. I, I haven't used that as my major strategy just because I didn't want to pay for lead feeder, but they've got a free one, which gives you the last seven days. So if you look at it regularly, you can get a whole bunch of information from it. That That's, that's something that will probably help because yeah, even the outreaches, you know, somebody from your company looked that very well could be some of their developers. Right. And so, yeah, I could reach out to them to sponsor on behalf of recruiting efforts or things like that. If you've got big competitors as well, you can find out whether you competitor is spending time on came to my site yeah yeah so i actually found out about lead feeder because i was doing an analytics report for a fairly large builder um, like an international one and they wanted to know whether other construction companies in their industry were checking out their website and um you know ripping stuff off so i found out the list of all the competitors that were spending time on their website which there were quite a few of and gave them a list on like a per industry so universities how engaged are universities on your website construction companies blah 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 blah. and i was able to um create an analytics report that broke it down by how engaged individual industries were and i found that to be yeah quite an interesting report worked out really well sounds good We're kind of getting toward the end of time. Are there other topics or other areas that we want to dive into on this? All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and get into picks. Brad, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure. I'll start us off with some picks. So I went through and with this work from home thing, uh, ordered some, uh, a stand up desk and a, a nice, I, I hate my chair and my desk. I bought it a few years ago. So I went to Ikea and I got one of their standing desk setups and their uh, Trollberger chair. I always like to try to pronounce them. Might be Trollbarget or something. But uh, <laughs> they're, uh, that's half the fun, right? And the shipping was insanely long because of the COVID situation. So I'm, I'm kind of a set because I didn't find out until after I was done. I tried to look for replacements and, but I really like it. So, uh, uh, I'm, I'm stoked about that, but, uh, so shout out is just make sure your office is comfortable. I'll put links to the, the desk I got from Ikea, but that's one thing. And then, you know, my other, uh, pick for this week is clean your area regularly. Uh, I emptied out the desk drawers of my desks and was like found certificates from like years ago, all kinds of junk in them. But my my desk area feels so much nicer now. So I just, it's a nice pick me up this week to just clean my desk off. So I'm going to pick that. Awesome. Uh, Petra, what are your picks? 
Sorry about the shameless plug here, but I've been working really hard on creating a whole bunch of Google Ads tips and I'm up to tip 70. So if anyone wants to know the ins and outs of Google Ads and you want my take on different parts of it, you can go to uh, www.petromanos.com forward slash tips and I've already got 70 on there. We've got 100 coming out. And so there's, um, I've got that listed by question. So you can literally go through and any question you've got on Google ads is likely to be covered. Nice. I'm going to go sign up right now. Cause I'm yeah. Handy stuff. Oh, actually, um, there's one other thing that I should be um, doing a tip on and that's um, a tiny PNG. So if you go and sign up right this very minute, my website's a little bit slow because my VA forgot to use tiny PNG and tiny PNG. What it does is it reduces the size of your images. So I think she skipped that in our process. So our website's today very slow, but she's going to fix this today. Um, but tiny PNG, what it does is if you upload a whole bunch of photos, um, it will actually compress them and reduce the size of them, um, which is really important when you've got a blog with lots and lots of articles in it, like mine. Um, so do use it if you blog. So if you, if you go today, it's fine, but just it's a little bit slow today. By the time this airs, it'll be fixed for sure. Nice. Joel, what are your picks? Well, this morning I had every freelancer's nightmare happen. I had done a system update the night before and I got up and every time the computer booted up and gave me the login prompt within 10 seconds, it would crash. After about three or four repeats, I realized this is not coming back. And I actually had something due for a customer to review that uh, wasn't fixed yet and hadn't been pushed up to their website. So I uh, found by about two hours of trial and error that there is a setting in Windows 10 that will actually record what the last installs you've done and you can roll them back and recover. And so my pick today is system protection for Windows. And you can find this in the control panel under system, system protection, and make sure it's set to on for your main hard drive. And it will actually keep an eye on things and make it so you can roll back your last bad software install or patch or whatever the case may be. So nightmare recovered. Nice. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple of picks. Brad kind of inspired me a little bit here. And I'm also going to be taking a, a page out of Petra's book here um, just because I'm working on some other things. So um, I'll shout them out and then I'll go build them. How's that? So uh, Brad's picks reminded me. So I've had a couple of standing desks here for a while. They're autonomous desks. And autonomous is the brand not <laughs> they do actually have ai smart desks that will you know adjust periodically based on your behavior but uh, i i really really like mine um, i have their cheapest model and i'm i'm pretty happy with it i am going to be at some point looking at um, how much weight they can take and then figuring out how much all of the equipment that i put on it weighs and then actually replacing the desktop. The desktop's fine, but I just, I'd love to get just a really nice piece of wood um, and, you know, stain and seal it and then uh, make it go up and down that way. But yeah, I, I've been pretty happy with these desks and they, they have the little buttons on the side. So you can actually just, uh, um, you, it has three, four different settings, four different settings, memory settings. So I just hit one, two, three, or four, and it'll go to the right place. And then, you know, you can adjust it with the up and down arrows as well. But I, I really, really like them. And uh, they're super high quality. So, yeah, I'm going to put a link in for these. Well, that's not the one I have because it only has an up and down switch. So I guess I don't have the cheapest model. I have the next cheapest model. But uh, anyway... Uh, I've been really, really happy with them. And then um, I did get um, remoteconferenceplaybook.com up. So if you want to go put in your email address, then it'll let you know when the course is available. But yeah, I think I'm going to go in and I'm going to create a bazillion tips like Petra did. And uh, you, you have to give me your email address to get them. But then I'll just have it send those out um, until we're ready to launch. And then it'll keep sending them out afterward. You'll just get extra emails when we're getting ready to launch. But yeah, I'm, I've, I've been putting that together and podcast playbook. Um, it'll be my podcast playbook.com. Um, 
is also going to be up and I'll do the same thing for podcasting. So yeah, I should just sit down and just write a zillion tips on podcasting. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm working on these days. Um, kind of felt like the COVID-19 thing was an opportunity for me to reach more people through the remote conferences, remote meetups and, um, uh, yeah, to put together some of these courses. So, um, yeah, I've missed a few shows over the last few weeks cause I've been getting stuff together to do that. And at this point I'm about ready to just start recording like a crazy person. So that's what I've got going. Uh, write us, what are your picks? Yeah. So just getting back to office is so great. <laughs> uh that's that's my pick i mean i used to work in in the office and travel travel a lot so i probably like you you guys like brad and charles shared about like desks and then chairs etc so probably whenever wherever you work you have to be comfortable with with your desk and chair and like in generally a working environment so uh because you know I used to travel a lot, so that's a thing which changed for me. And I kind of used to, used to work from anywhere, so I thought when like lockdown for me will not be a challenge. But I was kind of pretty much used to working outside outside the office. But uh, but yeah, it's completely different than you. You can like just jump into a coffee shop and spend there well, a couple of hours. So like. Uh, um, you know, airports, etc. It's, it's, it's different, but then you have to stay for a longer time in one place to so have it really convenient, have it clean. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very important. So, and probably only now when I got back to office where it's like really silent and it's very comfortable. So I felt a difference. Awesome. If people want to find you online, where do they go? Uh, so for for the tool I'm representing for Omnisend, so omnisend.com. So you can you can create an account there and start using just uh, out of the box, or yeah, you can you can request a demo and we will guide through the, all the capabilities, etc. And yeah, personally myself, I prefer using LinkedIn and Twitter. So read this Lawrence on LinkedIn, the same on Twitter. Awesome. Well, I might uh, fire some things off and ask you a few questions after the after we're done. But uh, thanks for coming, Rytus. Yeah, thanks for inviting. Great to talk to you. All right, folks, we will wrap this up. And uh, until next time, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.